So hey everybody, welcome to episode 289 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And also working from home this week is Mark Rubin in San Jose, California. Now say hello. Hello. I figured you could cut out. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, you're right. There, I could. I could. Yeah, yeah. I could. But sometimes, you know, it's funny when, when we record you through... Um, through uh, um, Zoom, right? If we're talking when you're talking, we get a little, a little bit of glitch in your voice. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so we try not to talk over not you. Not enough electrons to send the yeah, signal. Yeah, either that or, yeah. or the compression algorithm is trying to make it every, even out, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. You start getting the weird auto-tune effects, like yeah. share and Do You Believe in yeah. Life After Love, whatever that song yeah. is actually yeah, or, called. Or, uh, or T-Pain. What's that guy from? Uh, T-Pain. T-Pain, yeah, yeah. The Monster. So, spoilers for season one, I guess, of uh, of the the mass singer oh really i just watched the mass singer i could spoil it for you tonight yeah don't do that one. <laughs> oh yeah you're you're never gonna guess who it is in fact it, 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 they, all four of them were wrong and you know what one of them was so close it's it's you're gonna be surprised when you see who it is who the big reveal is this is one of my my guilty pleasures if folks are wondering why the heck does he watch a show like the mass singer like it can't all be you know mozart it can't all be shakespeare every once in a while it's like it hey, certainly you know isn't mozart and it's not shakespeare that's for i need sure. to turn off the brain and just start munching some popcorn is the same thing that you know popcorn movies like pacific rim and stealth are perfect for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right we used to have drugs for that purpose back in the yeah. day <laughs> anyway uh, or television just plain old television just surf, surfing channels are you still there honey yeah can you not hear me yeah no you, you were kind of dropping out a little right, bit right you're right in time with mark i think that may be why i didn't hear you well, also, he dropped out a little bit. I, I could hear him kind of glitch out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's because Comcast Xfinity is not ready and prepared <laughs> for so many damn number of people, people all hitting their network. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. If I was a, a wise man, and maybe I will do this after the show, I might start downloading the hell out of like Netflix and CBSL Access and anything that has an offline mode in case things do go off. Mm. Right, right. You might as well get like, uh, what are those things called, Mark? We used to have them back in the Yeah, early. I know what you're Blu-ray, talking about. They were, made, they were made of paper. 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 And, no, and they had the little blue, the, little squiggly lines on them. Yeah, like, and on the inside. They, yeah. And they had to flip them to read through them. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're they had like those Princess discs. You put, I don't understand what you guys are talking <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. And you put those discs on your on a player. You had to have a player, and you put a disc in, and, it would, and the movie would come on the television. And remember those television? What's that? Yeah, tell, it's like that big square box that hangs on. It's like your monitor, but it's, oh, the thing with the, have, with the antennas. Have a keyboard. The thing with the antennas. Yeah, it doesn't have got a keyboard. It, yeah, got it. Yeah, antennas won't work anymore either, Mark, because they're. Do you guys get analog singles in the U.S.? No, wait, 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 no. Antennas totally work with because digital cable, uh, sorry, not cable, digital TV is broadcast over over. Yeah, but you have wireless. to have one of those square antennas, right? So yeah, still an antenna. It's an antenna. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, or you could break up the vinyl. Remember the vinyl? Yeah, those were the days, eh? Yeah, starting barbecues with your lighter fluid. <laughs> Vinyl's back in in uh, vogue again. Back in black. Yeah. It's sack. You know, the funny we thing is, we actually this past weekend did use one of those fancy pants 3d printed movie files or uh i don't remember if we got the dvd or blu-ray of jojo rabbit for uh rent 3D at redbox yeah 3d printed movie file you know 3d 3d printed into a disc um what? no i'm just I'm, I'm kidding on that part it was unnecessary okay. flavor you lost us yeah, lost yeah. Us. but I, I was thinking as you said that though that i mean how much more hipster can you get than a digitally uh printed vinyl record which is possible that's true. i think that's, that's totally true. possible yeah 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 
that's a really fine printer, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. As I, as I look at my 3D printed Millennium Falcon on my windowsill. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, so we, let's start off with some fo- uh, follow-up. And so, Jaime, you got some follow-up for us, which is kind of a fact check, really. Actually, we do have some SMTHC. I'm getting... Oh, do we? Wait. Oh, last minute. Are there... Yes, mask MTJC. Whoa! NBA has suspended their season after a player tested positive for coronavirus. What? The entire Real season? Like they, LeBron yeah. was like, I'm not playing to an empty uh, an empty arena. And they full on... The wow. NBA is suspending gameplay following the conclusion of tonight's schedule of games until further notice. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. All right, go ahead, Jaime. You got some ask MTJC One sec, I'm collecting... I, I, I think you know the, the context for this one, Tim. Maybe I do. Well, I'm collecting the link. Sorry, Twitter is failing me. Oh, Twitter. Is this the guy who asked me about the, the music app? Maybe. Not sure. Uh, the dreaded Dawn River. Here be there be dragons. So I guess the Raptors can't win the uh, World Cup again. That's a shame. I guess they can't. Yeah, hey, the Raptors are still be, world champion. It would be especially hard for them to win a World Cup because there is no World Cup in basketball. <laughs> I know, but look, look at the bright side. The, the, the Raptors are still the world champion for another year. Yeah, they're not going to score any more touchdowns this season either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but wait till they go for the conversion. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, and they get the uh, the hat trick going there. Was this ask, actually an Ask MTJC, Harmony, or are you just, you're just plucking this from the... You put hashtag, you yourself oh, put hashtag Ask MTJC. Oh, yeah. Sorry, this is me. Yeah. So, okay. So, I where I live is Riverdale, right? And when I was an Apple reseller, you know, I was I was by myself. There was like a, a, a reseller up on the Danforth called uh, CD-ROM store back then, but now they're called Riverdale Mac, which I should have totally taken that name. And below me on Queen Street was Carbon Computing. They had moved over from, from the east end of, or the west end of the city to, to my neighborhood. So it became really tough for me to sort of compete with these two guys because, you know, my clients would go there because if they were like on the street or whatever. Um, but Carbon Computing, I guess about three years ago, moved to the other back over to the west end of the city. So they posted a uh, link on um, Saturday, I think it was. Uh, yeah, Saturday, saying you don't have to leave your bed to get your favorite tech because they, they started using Fudora. You guys have, do you know what Fudora is? Do you have that in the States? It's kind of, it's kind of like Uber Eats. Same idea, right? So Fedora is not a, familiar is with that one, can, but I believe you. Yeah, you can order a hamburger, you can order pizza, you can order Chinese food, whatever, and Fedora will deliver it to you, provided that you know they have an arrangement with the with the restaurant. But now Carbon Computing, who are a, an Apple reseller, you know, will get your uh, your 5K uh, iMac or your uh, your um, Mac Pro server or Mac Pro um, rack mounted uh, Mac Pro will get get that delivered to you by Fedora. Some poor schlep on his bike will drag that over. I'm of course I'm kidding about the the size of those, but if you need if you need that you know iPhone case or you need a USB cable or something in a pin, in a panic and you know and you're afraid to go outside because of uh, the coronavirus then of course they will deliver to you so I thought that was cool and I clicked on the link just to check out some more stuff for the show and it said sorry we can't recognize your address this shop does not deliver to you and I thought that is really strange that here you know these used, these people used to be my neighbor and they can't they couldn't figure it out so I kind of questioned them on it and they sort of said yeah so the the dividing line for them is the Dawn River which is you know, again, probably like like 500 meters from my house, you know, for those who are driving at home. But um, they refused to cross the river, the Rubicon of the Don River, even though we got like 20 bridges crossing it to come and deliver to my house. So I, I, missed, I, missed, I missed the cut by like 300 yards. So, yeah, that's a shame. And... Uh, 
Anyway, so yeah, so that's that's the follow up to these guys, and I and I said, yeah, I can understand. I posted my reply to them. Yeah, the dreaded Don River makes sense, but I still think it's a good idea that they're they're they will de- deliver your Apple tech with for you without you having to leave the comfort of your own home. There you go, and yourself imposed quarantine. That's that one. I I do slightly wonder on whether this makes sort of quarantines better or worse, but I do know at the very least, um, it seems like here locally in the Seattle area, people are pushing the idea of using things like your Fudora uh, equivalent of like, you know, ordering, you know, if the restaurants around your area are definitely hurting as people stay home. So the idea is ordering from them helps keep them afloat while we get through this uh, very troubling time. That's true. So Tim, are these guys doing this in response to the virus? People people working from home or is it just a new Mm. business model? That's a good question i probably i probably could there are a couple of people who i could follow up for next week to find out but um because i know a few people over there but uh i don't know i i kind of saw it as a, i envisioned it as a reaction to the to the um this news about the coronavirus right because it does say in there doesn't it say that in their tweet uh, no there i mean the tweet is talking about you don't have to leave your bed to get your favorite tech which yeah, implies yeah, yeah. more laziness than than That's sickness <laughs> and same day delivery too yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean i mean like i could click on the link but i could also be in trying to compete with people like Amazon, although yeah. Amazon doesn't really sell Apple tech specifically, right? So it's you and you and Jonathan chatting back and forth. I mean, yeah, sorry, I was responding to Jonathan. I'm sure we'll talk about it tomorrow on, on Spotcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thirty days shutdown of travel from Europe to the United States, and separately, uh, Mark, there were three TSA agents in San Jose yep. Airport. Yes, uh, COVID nineteen. So, <laughs> yeah, I figured that was the nightly news. <laughs> yeah, even if nobody was emailing you on that one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, how about that? Dow futures drop 800 points as Trump speech disappoints investors. Just now, the one just now. Yep. And what did he do? He the one where he announced closing the border. Yeah. Or closing the border to Europe. I mean. Yeah. Yep. Sanctions against Europe. Yep. Because well, he, he hinted at a stimulus package. Was it yesterday or day before? Sorry, what package? He hinted at a stimulus package a couple of days ago, and then it didn't uh-huh. happen. Oh, and what would the stimulus package do? Well, it would have pumped money into the economy. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I think Trudeau just did that today, actually. He yeah, just now it probably, you know, cash. it would have artificially pumped money into the economy, and it probably would have uh, made the crash, the next crash, worse, but, but oh, okay. it would have made yeah. people happier in the short term. For now, short yeah. term, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, um, what's next? Oh, you, did you post this? one does this ask mtjc hummy from it is bevan from bevan anderson it says oh, uh, at that. Tim Mitra, ask what is a good sheet music app for the ipad seem yeah. to remember you folks chatting on an ask hashtag ask mtjc episode recently but couldn't see it in the show notes yeah you know it's funny i, I yeah because i even went to look for it and i couldn't find it and uh i did find it. i found another one actually that i mentioned here in the, in the my response the symphony pro is another notation app for music but yeah staff pad is the one we were talking about on the show um i'm gonna have to figure out why i didn't make that in why that didn't make it into the uh into the show notes but yeah there you go i think it was only what a couple of weeks ago we talked about that right it was one of my picks right? yeah that was that was fairly recent mm. i'm assuming yeah. that's the one but we, we've also mentioned um music apps on the show before so if somebody remembers another one yeah. that we've talked about <laughs> that we didn't mention here <laughs> it was sub yeah. hashtag ask mtjc on twitter well this is using that same similar idea as that nemo product that does the the math and the and the handwriting recognition yeah i, I mentioned this because i have a friend who uh she writes uh, her song, she breaks them out for, she travels with uh, piano and, and sometimes has a four-piece orchestra go with her, right? And we call those quartet. Right? And uh, so she would, you know, do use she could use a tool like this to sort of split out her, her work. Um, but yeah, she's always about, you know, sharing the files and this would be a great way to do it. Convert them into PDFs after she's done, right? This is the one that was kind of on the expensive side though, right? Wasn't yeah, it? it's yeah. like 
80 bucks or something. Oh, well, it's only 80 bucks. That's not bad. I thought, it was, only I thought well, bucks. I thought it was a few hundred bucks as I recall. Well, yeah, most, well, see, this is the thing. Okay. Music apps are generally really expensive yeah. because it's, it's They're a niche. smaller audience, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. It's a niche product. Right. And, and it takes a lot of, you know, domain knowledge to get these things put together. Right. So expertise and things, right. You got to pay for all those years of uh, training that you went through for piano and whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. 89.99 US, I guess. Alrighty. Moving on. So now we have some follow up, right? Honey? We do. We had mentioned about all of these various conferences that had been fully canceled, delayed, and in some cases uh, physically canceled, but are continuing in an online streaming only capacity. We've been wondering if WWDC will do the same as of this recording on uh, March 11th. That has not happened. But uh, if you were wondering about how this sort of thing might work and what's going on, here's an example that came to my mind. I'm sure there's others. Uh, ByteConf React 2020. Uh, I've seen that they've done these uh, ByteConfs for various different technologies. They're all online-only conferences anyways. So I'm hoping to give this a, a little bit of watch-see on, uh, what is this, Thursday, April 30th through Friday, May 1st of 2020 and, and see what that's like and just sort of get a hint of like, you know, if some more of these conferences end up working in a virtual-only capacity, what will that be like? Yeah, the reason I thought it was, the reason I thought last week that the, uh, that conference was a virtual one is I remember um, Aaron Douglas, friend of the show, Aaron Douglas was talking about speaking at, a, at an online conference. I just, I don't know why I made this association with that but i think there are other on there previously were some other online conferences in the u.s that happened as well so is this one this one bite is in the u.s or uk you know it sort of doesn't matter because it's online only i do believe that's true that the person who originated is from the u.s i don't know if they are in the u.s right okay yeah i guess that's sort of the a lot of folks have been wondering like well you know technically wwdc hasn't been announced so you can't cancel something that hasn't been announced so you know if they were to spin it from a PR perspective, we say, hey, you know, this is the most open WWDC ever. We're going equal access to every for everybody. Everybody's online. Well, I mean, so my prediction is, and I think we, we talked about this just before the show, that, I mean, earlier today, E3 was canceled. Um, and we were talking about this at work that, uh, you know, it's like the week after WWDC usually. So if E3 gets canceled, that's the big consumer electronics show, right? Uh, in Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, right? Well, that the big computer electronics show in Las Vegas is a computer like consumer electronics show. Oh yes, right. yes, right. But, e, but, but E3, E3 is happens. a it's a gaming yeah. and media. Oh right, one isn't it? Right, right. Well, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, Entertainment yeah. Electronics Expo. I think is what it is. Yep. Right. Okay. Oh, three E's. I get it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that doesn't bode well for um, if Apple had had already scheduled WWDC. You know, be interesting to see what the, what the uh, the schedule is like at the McHenry right now. Right. Yeah. Google Cloud Next was just canceled as well. And when is that happening? Or when was That's, when was that? Uh, uh, it's normally in March, so it's it's fairly soon. Would have been fairly soon. Yeah, that one's up did that one go streaming only as well? Uh, maybe I don't know. So anyway, so now that we're we're in the section, I normally we just for the show people driving at home, we normally put our um, links into the show in the order that we find them, trying to be respectful of each other in terms of who came first and whatever. But uh, I decided to clump these next four. I had originally put in the first link here, but I'm going to call this the uh, COVID nineteen or coronavirus section of the show and try to get through these quickly. Um, but I kind of clumped them together to sort of keep that, that sort of trend. So the first one is pretty quickly is, uh, and this was a couple of days ago, I think, uh, Tim Cook has told employees from Apple to work work from home. Uh, no surprise, I already kind of predicted that would be coming. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that. that's no surprise at all. I mean, pretty much, pretty much everyone here in Silicon Valley is, everyone I know at least is working from home these days. All the big tech companies are doing it. And are, and are you getting concerts canceling and stuff like that or other large gatherings? 
Well, so it's it's uh, in the county where I am, Santa Clara County, which is where it's it's probably I guess it's now the number three hotspot in the U.S. after Seattle and New Rochelle, New York. Uh, it's anything over a thousand people is banned now. Really? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, it doesn't bode well for Apple or WWDC. It right? does not bode well at all for WWDC. Right. Yeah. I, I, at this point, I'd be shocked if they if they actually have it. But those other two, the AltConf and what's the other one that usually goes at the same time? Layer, I think. Um, there's a couple of conferences that happen around the same time as WWDC. Um, remember, there was two two other conferences. Yeah, that, there's the uh, one on the left and the one on the right of the main building. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't remember what. Alt Conf and oh. was it a? It wasn't CocoConf, was it? At one time, might have been. I can't remember who it was last year, yeah. but uh, yeah, I think I think the year year you went to the year because you went the year before, or Army went the year before. I went in 2018 and a little bit 2019. Right, right. right. Yeah, you know, I kind of like working from home. <laughs> um, I did it for uh, 11 years. Yeah, I kind of yeah, like it too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't always work from home. I had to go on client site a lot. So, yeah. but not every day, like, you know, just once in a while. I'm trying hard not to feel like a prisoner in my house. Really? Well, get a dog. No, no, a prisoner because, I mean, <laughs> for the for the reason that we can't, we're not supposed to leave our houses around here. I mean, it's not quite that bad. I mean, you can you can leave. There's nobody stopping from leaving. I went out for lunch today, but, but yeah. uh, you know, but the streets are relatively deserted. I mean, they're not really, com- wow. they're not completely deserted. There's people around, plenty of yeah. people around, but yeah, but it's not like normal. It's definitely quiet. And, like a Hollywood movie? Uh, if, it's, if it's a Hollywood movie where there's nobody out and about in the street, yeah, sure. Yeah, like, yeah, like Vanilla Sky or, or, uh, yeah, you know, or, yeah. or any, any number of zombie movies, you know? like Yeah, I haven't seen any zombies yet, beyond the normal no. zombies. No, right. Well, the problem, the problem with the coronavirus zombies, you can't really recognize them. They're not like, they don't have the tell, telltale signs, right? Well, they cough a lot, right? Do they? No, yeah. I thought they were short of breath. Well, and they have fevers. Yeah, it's a respiratory thing, so you cough and you can't breathe. Yeah, actually, I should saw a chart today now that you say that on, on comparison common cold and flus to um, the coronavirus. Now i got to find out where the hell it is. Symptoms, I guess, are, are relatively similar, uh, but but apparently, from what people have been saying, people who have gotten sick and went to the hospital uh, and have talked to the doctors, the doctor basically says, if you're not coughing, uh, then they're not even really going to look at you for coronavirus. They're, they're right, going to assume yeah. it's a flu or a cold and send you home. Oh, if you're not coughing. If you're not coughing. It's only yeah. if you're coughing that they'll even consider that it might be virus well the biggest biggest problem i've seen le- lately is that um people in the states haven't been able to get they're being turned down for testing of course because we have like confidence I heard, I heard running a, in the country because i heard there's a there was a story of a lady who came back from europe and her husband had a fever and they refused to test them well no uh no no chance of that happening anymore because no one's going to go from here to europe anymore <laughs> right right except for the uk except for the uk right because there's no, was... no one's sick in the uk yeah it's hilariously yeah. bad uh, what choice? Except the United Kingdom. Well, you saw right? my you saw my answer in uh, in the Slack there, Mark. Eh? That Trudeau's declared a ban on uh, travel to the U.S. Yeah. to protect our yeah. maple syrup reserves. Yeah, yeah. protect those. Yeah, I want Jaime to get his hands on them. Yeah, and so I got the syrup already. <laughs> I'd call it exfiltration, but apparently that only applies to troops. Yeah, Jaime, you're gonna eat, you're gonna have to eat that uh, Vermont maple syrup, and we know what you think about that. You right? know, I, I think I'm gonna <laughs> I think I'm gonna buy the one that comes in what looks like a turpentine can. Have you seen this? really? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, with the little with the screw lid, screw on lid. Yeah. 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 yeah it, turpentine or um or like lighter fluid. Paint thinner. Paint thinner. Yeah. 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 You buy some or uh the um. 
what is it called? It's like an accelerant that you throw onto the barbecue for to get it to, to burn hotter. Light fire starter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It looks like one of those cans. Barbecue barbecue fluid or barbecue lighting fluid or whatever. Lighter fluid, maybe? Gener- yeah. Generically? I'm sure there's a better name. I don't know. The, the solid ones always work better. You know what I'm saying, Amark? Sorry? Sorry, I was... The solid fuel for starting fire for barbecues? For starting barbecues? Um, I don't know. Liquid fuel works pretty well, but it's chemicals. You don't really want to put it on the coals, but it works. I don't know. Huh. Okay, I found the chart. All right, so... Um, so, symptoms. Fever is common with coronavirus, is rare with a cold, and it's common with flu. Mm. Fatigue, mm-hmm. sometimes with coronavirus, sometimes with a cold, and common with the flu. Cough, common, usually dry cough for coronavirus. Mm. Mild for cold, and common, usually dry for flu. So, it's very similar to flu, I guess. Mm. Sneezing, no for coronavirus. Common for colds, and no for flu. Aches and pains, sometimes for coronavirus. Common for both cold and flu. Mm. Uh, runny nose or stuffy nose, rare with coronavirus virus common with cold and sometimes with flu oh good so if i get a if i get a uh, stuffy nose and start sneezing i'll be happy yeah sore throat sometimes common for cold and sometimes for flu diarrhea rare for coronavirus no for cold and sometimes with children for flu headaches sometimes with coronavirus rare for cold and common with flu and shortness of breath sometimes for coronavirus no for cold and no for flu so i think shortness of breath is the one sort of giveaway that i've been, been hearing about right anyway so interesting stuff yeah. Anyway, so that's uh, that's one thing. Um, uh, just following up on Apple and this and this particular virus, Apple has announced that uh, I don't know if anybody missed it or not, but apparently they're saying it is okay to wash your phone with your iPhone with dis- disinfectant wipes, like those you know those uh, Lysol wipes or whatever, um, because they are water resistant. To, I think it probably applies to newer phones, by the way. Um, anything from an iPhone seven newer or newer, right? They're saying it's okay to wipe your phone, and and it makes sense because I mean the the big news or the big sort of advice to everybody is, you know, wash your hands with soap and water, sing happy birthday <laughs> twice and uh, for timing and, uh, and uh, you know, stop touching your face, right? So you're putting your phone up to your face if you're if you're not using uh, earbuds or headphones, right? So just be wise to that. Um, okay to clean your phone. Yeah. It says the Clorox disinfecting wipes and similar products with 70% isopropyl alcohol can be used to gently clean phones. Yeah. Um, and you should definitely not get moisture into any opening and don't submerge. Like, don't get the wise idea of like, hey, what if I just dunk it in this tub of, <laughs> of alcohol? It's like, don't do that. But yeah. I yeah. think that uh, follow it up with a with a paper towel wipe to, to wipe up the extra moisture because those things are particularly pretty, pretty wet, right? I'm surprised that this has changed because you're right, it is pretty wet, and I thought that this would be pretty destructive to the oleophobic coating that prevents all the fingerprints from sticking on there. I guess it's the trade-off of, you know, health versus, health risk versus uh, risk of smudging on the device. Well, I used to teach iOS at a, at a school that used to provide, you know, uh, MacBooks for MacBook Pros for people to work on. You know, you just showed up, you paid your tuition, and they would, we'd set the Macs up, and you'd come in, and we'd use them, and then we'd clean them up at the end of the day. We used to wipe them down with Clorox, with with these um, Clorox wipes after the uh, students were done, just you know, and I always kind of wondered about that, but they didn't seem to hurt hurt the computers that much, right? So because uh, you never know who the next person going to be using it or who the one before you was, right? And this is like years, like this is back in 2011, 2012, right? So. 
So this is another interesting one. This might take a, a few minutes to... Uh, well, let me, let, me, let me skip ahead to the fourth one. I'll come back to the third one. So the fourth one, of course, is that Microsoft... We talked about Microsoft last week about... Uh, I think they have a build conference. We were predicting it was cancelled or it was cancelled around the time we were recording. Uh, they announced today through a promotion on Twitter um, that they've now got a Microsoft developer virtual conference and people can sign up now for that and uh, join the Microsoft crew when they announce all their new stuff and you know new, new technologies and whatever um, at this virtual virtual conference. I didn't click on the details. Let's see. What does it say? Yeah. So, oh, this is from March 25th. So this is coming up real quick. It's a day-long conference from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So a keynote, you know, some sessions to track and that kind of stuff. And uh, so, so far, so yeah, if you want to get going to that one, just uh, follow the link in the show notes and sign up. So coming back to the third one, um, this is an interesting piece I saw earlier today, and it's got a nice infographic. I saw the infographic on on the Twitter machine, and uh, I, th- I think it was uh, Greg's friend Agnes who posted this one uh, as on Twitter, and that's, or retweeted it. I think that's how we saw it. But it's an interesting um, infographic, but it's got it's called flattening the curve. And if you look at the the chart there, um, there's sort of a dotted line, roughly about uh, twenty or thirty percent up the chart, sort of a graph um, that shows the healthcare capacity. In other words like how much, you know, how many cases the healthcare can deal with, you know, how many, how much supplies they have, you know, masks and gloves and things like that and, and test kits for testing whether you're, you're uh, susceptible to, or you've contracted the coronavirus. Um, and if they, if it goes unchecked, like if we're not washing our hands or we're not, you know, uh, practicing safe, safe practices like working from home and things like that, um, there's a sort of a, a pink colored uh, curve that, that goes, you know, well above, you know, at hundred percent on this chart, well above what the capacity of, uh, you you know, sort of a bell curve, right? But what, well above what, what we'd be able to handle. Like it would become epidemic and just spiral out of control. Whereas when we're practicing the health health um, practices, washing hands, you know, not gathering in large groups, that kind of thing, um, the curve, potential curve can stay below what the healthcare capacity can handle, right? Healthcare system. So it's kind of an interesting graph. I don't know. Yeah, there's a similar one going around that maybe people have seen that compares real data for the city of Philadelphia versus the city of St. Louis in the right. flu of crisis of 1919, I think it was, oh, yeah. where Philadelphia ignored all the warnings, had a big parade, uh, and when the sickness came and they and they had a huge spike up of cases and, you know, very narrow, highly peaked curve, uh, bell-shaped Gaussian curve, like Tim's talked about, uh, but with a very high peak. And so it overwhelmed the, the healthcare system's ability to take care of everything and right, a lot of people right. died. Uh, whereas St. Louis took these preventive measures early on and, you know, pretty much the same number of people got sick, but over yeah. a much longer period of time. So it was a oh, much see, smoother right, right. curve. Uh, and so so the healthcare system at the time was able to take care of it. Right, yeah. Well, it's interesting. We were comparing numbers earlier today um, in our Slack channel. I had posted that um, uh, at the time that I heard uh, the news, there were, I'm trying to get my thing to scroll here. There were, some, I think it was 1,500 cases of um, detected in the U.S., more than 1,500, I think, today. And then compare that to Canada, where we have you know access to testing and that kind of stuff, we're roughly sitting around we're just over 75 cases as of this morning, so probably a little bit more than that. But like in terms of scale, it's like a way different number. And in, admittedly, yeah, the U.S. Is, is three times the population of Canada, I believe, right? Or 10 times the population of Canada. What's the population um, of Canada? Uh, 30 something, 33, yeah, so it's a little over, 35. A little over 10 times. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I would expect the, so is this, uh, yeah, so you're more than double what we would expect in terms of like, you know, per capita kind of thing, right? Because um, we're, if we're at 75, you're at 1,500. And that's, that's another indication 
mentioned, I think that we were talking about before the show that, that uh, we're hearing lots of complaints about people in the States not having access to tests or being turned away from tests. But you, did you say that was changing, Mark? Well, you know, they're, they're saying that's changing, uh, that more mm. tests are becoming available. Apparently, what happened was the first round of the tests, the first set of tests were flawed in some way. So they, did, they didn't actually work. So they had to throw them all away, essentially. Uh, so for a while there, there were just no tests available. Right. Uh, right. But apparently, the production's been ramping up. So now they're starting to be more and more. But I think it's not, it's still not at the at the level where you could say, just, you know, walk down to your local clinic and say, hey, I want to get tested. There's not enough for that. It's it's more, right. it's more if you are showing potential symptoms, uh, then that's when they'll give you a test. Well, I mean, this is the thing is like I heard from some some reports were that people had exhibited some symptoms that were still being turned down because they yeah, hadn't. because they had no tests. Yeah. Was it because they had no tests or because they hadn't been in, they hadn't been traveling from Europe or in fact, I think one had come back from Europe, as a matter of fact, I heard today. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. It's hearsay at this point. Um, I mean, to answer your question there, Tim, it, it would the specific answer would vary on on where it was in time with what Mark's talking about. But mm-hmm. it could right. be both, right? It'd be like, all right, we either literally don't have tests, so it doesn't matter if you got exposed. Like, we literally can't test you because we don't have any tests. Or if it was a limited number of tests, they would be like, mm, it doesn't sound like you qualify for the very handful right. that we oh, have okay. right. of okay. like, right. people who clearly we know that they were with people um, or or that they're exhibiting symptoms that seem like they're uh, for the virus. Yeah, we've had a few, I mean, notwithstanding the NBA, we've had a few companies recently um, closed down. I've heard of a school that had a, a, a child, you know, exhibited symptoms and they closed the school down. We had a couple of companies, you know, down in the, down near where I work that had been uh, closed off today as well for similar reasons. Somebody had shown up. and Yeah, we had a, a daycare center a block or so away from my office where one of the teachers came down with it and a lot of oh, employees really? Not a lot, but uh, you know, several employees from my company uh, had their kids there. So wow. that was that was the catalyst for the decision that we're that we're uh, working from home. Yeah. That Do you have any idea how long that's going to last, or just don't know? Don't know. Right, right. Okay. For the near future, for sure. I'm sure you have technology, so you can still have meetings and oh, of course, yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. We're still working. Good. You know, we're not on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> as nice yeah. as that might be, we're not on vacation. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. And I heard today that uh, my alma mater, MIT, has told us their students, current students, uh, not to come back after spring break next week. So wow. go home, you know, assume that you're, you're go, you're, you're done for the year, go home. They're going to continue to have classes online. Uh, but, but no more after this week, no more in-person classes. And, and in wow. fact, they have to leave campus. They're not allowed to stay in, in on-campus housing. Oh, really? If they're like even the residents or whatever, yeah. that's, yeah. that's a drag. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Big drag. I mean, I mean, even just from the point of view of getting off of campus now, cause now they have to move out and right. Yep. Clean out the dorms and get their parents to come in and pick them up. And yep. Yep. a major pain. Or get in a plane and fly back somewhere, depending on where you're from. Right, right. Yep. Hmm. Or just abandon all hope and go home without your stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that's the end of the uh, the downer part of the show, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right, mate, it's time for the kitten portion of the show. you got to get us get us all you know psyched up again. We should have reordered these because I don't know if this qualifies as the kittens and puppies part. No. So if your third-generation iPad Air was pulling a Tony Soprano, and going permanently black. <laughs> Apparently, Apple's launched a repair program for that. So it's positive and that people who've had that issue can get it repaired, but uh, not so great that that can happen. Mm, interesting. And the third generation Air, Air, iPad Air, when was that? When did that come out? You know, year? I don't remember when it came out, but it says here that affected devices were manufactured between March 2019 and October 2019. Oh, so fairly recent. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, so it must be a current, current crop. Interesting. Well, probably, hopefully that's the least or the most of your problems, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, on, a, 
on a happier note, there's been all sorts of, of leakage of potential stuff coming out of iOS 14. People seeing builds of, uh, of, of code that have, uh, have got code snippets in it that hint at mm-hmm. what iOS 14 will contain. As an example, I guess this is technically watchOS, but uh, Apple Watches may soon detect blood oxygen levels, oh. which will be which will be pretty interesting. There's there's some debate as to whether that'll be new to a new watch or if existing hardware would be able to handle that sort of thing. I would think it would have to be new hardware yeah. because the way those blood ox things work is they they shine a little light right and measure the somehow they measure the reflectivity of of your of the blood right under your skin or something like that. Well, the Isn't that what the watch already a, does though? For yeah, like, they have a light underneath the tracking and stuff. Yeah, like oh. it, it flashes wow. like a green light sometimes when it like freaks out hmm. and yeah, the green light is used there to so it can detect your your heartbeat and and uh, so it's obviously well, already doing okay. it. I guess yeah, it's yeah, just, like the question is whether that sensor in this generation of watches that people yeah, have is work, is sensitive enough to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it'd be nice if it was a software only update, but um, yeah, you're right. I'm still looking TBD. at my Apple Watch right now that I never wear, and yeah, there's this, there's a little <laughs> light at the bottom. I should wear it more. <laughs> when did you get an Apple Watch? Oh, did you buy one? I didn't buy one. I... Oh, you, you you're working with one. I gotcha. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah. They've also talking about uh, having a sleep sleep app in there, right? Because um, I think that's that's probably going to Sherlock a few apps. But yeah. Yeah. Apple's sleep tracking happen. seems seems to be in there. Um. Uh, school time as a way to to manage. You know, your kids if they have an Apple Watch and what they do with it. Uh, supposedly be able to pair uh, a phone with multiple Apple Watches, which since the Apple Watch is not you know completely independent, even the ones with LTE, uh, that might be pretty nice to be able to hand it to kids of like, look, here's this thing. You can communicate back and forth. It's not quite as capable and distracting as a as a full iPhone. And if you have the LTE connectivity, they can do the thing you really want for your kids to have anyways, and that's be able to call home and say, hey, you know, I'm in trouble. Help me out. So that I think would be a, a pretty killer feature for uh, for parents. Um, right. Uh, speaking of, uh, of of touching your face, uh, <laughs> he says as a pun. Uh, supposedly there'll be new watch faces and maybe even a way to share your watch face configuration with other people. So if you've got a, a pretty handy layout that you like, you might be able to do that. That would that'd be pretty neat. I'd, I'd like to see what other people are doing. I've settled into my my modular layout, but I'm not I'm not sure. I, I could be convinced that there's more stuff. Modular layout. Which one do you use? I use the 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 modular layout that has like the most number of. Uh, uh, what do they call the widgets? Complications on the front. Yeah, yeah. So I've got like three inside the face and four on the corners. Is that what you were using? Uh, sort of. Yeah, three, three, well, three in, small ones at the bottom, right? upper two. So I don't use the infograph. I don't have. Okay. I think that's only on the newer watches that has that one. Oh well, I'm rocking have, yeah. uh, three. Four. I think it's a three. I'm rocking. Here's three. Oh, okay. So got some more real time. Real time follow up here. Uh, Tom Hanks and, and his wife Rita Wilson are positive for coronavirus. What? No, they're in Australia. No way. Yeah. Huh. Well, I mean, that's obviously you know I hate to say it, but when a celebrity starts to, to get this, it becomes real for people. Yeah, right? it makes it real. Yeah. yeah. Well, coming back to the happy notes of uh, the, the <laughs> Apple Watch. Um, on that previous article, there was one line at the bottom of the article that kind of got me confused. I mean, and that's they're talking about. Um, um, Fitbit has now got an EKG sensor, and um, apparently, and uh, I'm just getting back to the article. It says it's very confusing. It says Fitbit doesn't intend to, for, for its data to be used for medical diagnosis, while Apple is heavily marketing its recent Apple Watches as devices that can form conversations with doctors. 
Its EKG app has been cleared by the Food and Drug Administration for medical use for users over 22. So this users users over 22, I never heard that one before. Had you heard that? I hadn't heard the age minimum, but it makes sense there would be one. I, I knew for sure children yeah. would not be qualifying for that. I didn't realize right. 22 okay. is where the line was, though. So if you follow that link that's in the article that you're both looking at, there's an article that says the FDA cleared features aren't oh. supposed to be used by those under 22. September 13th, 2018. Huh. How did we miss that? All right. Cool. Neither one of us is under 22, so <laughs> clearly it wasn't top of mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But well, I mean, know, the reason I bought the Theories 4 watch is because of the EKG, right? So. Right, right. Uh, the other one that's supposedly coming up, and I've seen this written down. I've done the research to try to figure out how to pronounce this. There is no consensus. So it's either a tachymeter or a tachymeter or a tachymeter oh, was the other one that I heard. Tachometer. Tachometer, yeah. It's not an ometer. It's a meter. It's a tachyon meter it, it tells you if there's time travel occurring in your vicinity tachy, tachy meter, oh yeah. a tachyon meter i see not a tachometer. yeah yeah i mean it's it's a tachy t-a-c-h yeah, got it why meter so tachymeter or tachymeter so, well there's always time travel going on all around <laughs> always always going forward <laughs> just only forward yeah um, so so mark skip over to the what he's talking about which is in that there's a picture of an old school omega watch uh with the with the dial on the outside i never used to be i never knew how to use those things when i was a kid yeah there's two different ways because I, I looked it up so you can use it to measure your speed if you don't know your speed but you do know distances between two known points or you can do the reverse okay. you can if you know your speed uh and two known points you can measure your distance that you have traveled what, what, which what are you looking at on the nine to five article about the apple watch series six and watch os seven features you scroll oh, down that the, one. That halfway one. through yeah. there's a, there's a there's omega a there article. so we need a we need a doctor of physics to do to just you know, break down the, the picture here for us. Which picture now are we looking at? Sorry. <laughs> the Omega watch. Which one is that? It's the one that looks old schooly with the dialy thing on the side and oh, no, yeah. no LCD display. Oh, okay, Omega. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and the the yeah. hands that move around, you know, yeah. for real. Yeah. So how do you use that outer ring to figure out how your speed or your distance traveled? Tachymeter. Uh, you probably need to uh, align that with how much the second hand moves. Okay. And because that's, you know, that's measuring your time and there's just some calibration factor for something else. I, I don't know. I'd have to. Yeah. Know. So, no. so when I looked this up, apparently you, you're right. So it is the, the second hand. So you start things when you pass, you know, some known locations, like some known marker, right. And then you measure when you pass some other marker that again, you have to know the distance between those two things. Mm, yeah. Okay. And you look at the seconds to see, okay, um, that hand will tell you on the little dial that has all these different numbers on it. you know, how fast are you going? Right. So as the, in an example I saw, it's like, oh, if it, if it reached up to that 80, it was like, well, you're going 80 miles per hour mm, uh, okay. and you can do distance as well. So you can say, all right, so my car is telling me that I'm traveling 80 miles an hour and I don't know how far two different points are. I can say, okay, when I start at this point and when I get to the other point, where did the second hand get to? And you can figure out the distance that you traveled. So it's really just a, a measuring tape for the second hand. Right. right? Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> sort really of what it works out too. Yeah. Yeah. But what's it, confusing for me though, is if I look at the, the scale of the numbers, right? Uh -huh. At the top of the clock, it's 60. And as you go backward around the clock, counterclockwise, you know, 65, 70, 75, 80, all the way down to 100. And then the numbers get really compressed, like they're really close together. That's why I don't understand how that would work. Uh -huh. Kind of like a slide rule kind of thing. 
calculation because it goes all the way up to 500 so maybe oh, that must be for for um, distance right hmm very strange anyway oh so i guess there's some follow-up for next week wikipedia knows the answer tachymeter it's spelled uh in french on the uh, on the omega watch Jaime, mean, did you notice that mm. meter spelt with an m with an accent on the e and t-r-e instead of e-r t-r-e yeah metre 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 like center centre yeah or how farve like for brett farve is not favre or favre favre yeah Anyway, so what does Wikipedia say? Oh, I yeah, I'll look at it later. You, you abandoned hope. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's move on to our next story then. Whole bunch of updates to the App Store review guidelines. Uh, some of which may be more controversial than others. So maybe less controversial is one that says that apps uh, can't be used to commit or attempt to commit crimes of any kind or evade law enforcement. Hmm. Um, another one is that uh, there are new app categories for the spam list. So if you were looking to do the next uh, fart, burp, flashlight, or Kama Sutra app, it's not impossible for you to get one through App Store Review, but you'd really have to disrupt the entire industry for that one. Wait, you can't get a Karma Sutra app? Not anymore. Oh, yeah, because I was going to say, I thought there were some before. Oh, there, there's, there's many. Not, and there's, I don't know how and there's I know many that. fart ones and many burp ones. You know, they stopped doing, okay. stopped accepting those after a while. Uh, so, yeah, it says um, they'll be automatically right, okay. rejected unless they provide a unique, high-quality experience. So that, that fart app has really got to be... Got to be the best fart like, app out there. Dijon. John yeah, like this needs to be like an that. editor's pick for, mm-hmm. for WWDC. That has to be like a Dijon burp or something like that. Artisanal, uh, organic like made, a, yeah. Or the Grey Poupon burp. Hmm? <laughs> the Grey Poupon <laughs> Uh, the right. the one that is <laughs> took you a minute. The one that's going to be more controversial is is not the first part of this one that says about push notifications. Uh, you know, can't have sensitive personal confidential information them. Uh, so we also have new uh, guidelines around push notifications. So uh, I think the one that's less controversial is about the fact that you wouldn't send uh, sensitive, personal, or confidential information. Um, the one that is more controversial is, uh, I'm not going to read what it actually says, but Apple has apparently given up all hope of policing um, push notifications as a marketing mechanism uh, because they're explicitly allowing them with the caveat that uh, they're not to be used for promotions or direct marketing purposes, unless customers have explicitly opted in and the consent language also um, gives them some sort of way to stop receiving those kind of push notifications and not lose access to critical functionality. That makes sense, right? So like a common problem is like, well, I kind of want to get push notifications for, you know, this messaging app because I want to see messages, but I also don't want to get spammed either because they feel like spamming me, right? It's it's a constant struggle. Um, now it seems like it's a much more explicit guideline rather than the you, you can't use push notifications for marketing purposes and yet I don't think I've ever heard of an app getting dinged for that. Hmm. So coming back to this uh, sensitive information thing um, how are they going to know what are they going to be reading people's push notifications? I don't understand. They're just, they're just saying don't get caught doing it or what, what's the deal? I assume don't get caught doing it. Like you know like clearly you shouldn't include like somebody's social security number, you know tax identification number or other sensitive number well, see, like that in a, a push notification 
application. But, but what about these apps that like um, that have like, where you're chatting, like I mean Slack and and Teams and things like that. I mean, you know, and even some chat people home homegrown chat uh, things use push notifications to notify the other person what's being said. I mean, how, how can we control what what users are sending to each other, right? Yeah, I, I assume if you sent me your you know personally identifying information, that would be okay because it's not the app right. saying, "Oh, okay, hey Tim, your your new package from Amazon is going to arrive." Also, here is like your mother's maiden name and your password. Right. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think you're having trouble logging in. Here's your password. Yeah, yeah I think exactly. you have to assume as a user these days that if you're sending something over a text or an email, then it's not quote sensitive, personal, or confidential, or or it won't be after it won't be confidential once you've sent it. Right. If it right. even if it is sensitive or personal. Yeah, but people people are dumb though. They don't realize that this stuff is like you know oftentimes in plain text, right? Yeah. And push notifications are right. They, yes, they, they are. You look at the unless you package. encrypt them yourself. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean the OS has to be able to yes. read it, right? So mm. right. Speaking of uh, of being careful with stuff, so apps in highly regulated fields like banking, financial services, healthcare, and air travel, and etc., should be submitted by a legal entity that provides the services and not an individual developer. This one is interesting. So so for folks who you know have contracted out that stuff, I think that seems like it's all fine and dandy. But when it comes to you verily signing your life away and submitting to the app store for review, it sounds like it has to be the actual legal entity that you know he's like if i if i contract out you know some developers like hey make me a banking app okay cool they can make it they can prepare it but i personally would have to be the one since i'm uh, legally on the hook i would have to be the one to actually submit for approval yeah that makes sense well which, which section that's, is that? doing there. Yeah, that's interesting because even in web development for years you know like your, your your brother-in-law would you know in the basement of his house you know be writing your business grade app right or web app right um but at the end of the day he's not legally responsible for what's really going on right other than his contractual arrangement with you yeah we're not lawyers and legal no, indemnity no, exactly. is kind of a, a very complicated topic but uh at least with the the law of the land as it applies to apple's rules it seems reasonably clear that if you had uh, a contracted out relationship or let's say like a white label relationship like oh we're making this app for multiple ones it's like that's cool you can do all that prep work but you're gonna have to have it as part of your process that the actual legal entity whose name goes up on the app store um as part of that they're gonna have to be the ones who who submit that all right uh, location-based APIs. Um, so previously that prohibited uh, use of those for emergency services. Now it says you can do that. You can, you know, say, oh, emergency services, but only if you provide a very clear notice to your users in the UI that such services may not work in all such circumstances. So I think rather than, than blanket, you know, nobody gets helped from this. There's like, well, you you might get helped. It just d- depend on it if, you know, your, your house is on fire or you're, you know, having a medical emergency. Right. It's like the episode of the IT crowd where, where um, I've forgotten his name now. The character sends an email to the fire department. <laughs> Was Moss, it Moss? Yeah, Moss probably. Sends, help, 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 fire, fire. And he's like, no, no, let me rewrite yeah. that. And, yeah. And they show up at the end of the episode. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we got your email. Yeah. I've, I've had issues with Ubers and Lyfts stopping at the wrong spot oh, yeah? because the device is showing the location in a very different spot. You know, that, that could be problematic for emergency services if you're you're trying to get help and you're having a heart attack or uh, allergic reaction yeah, or something. happens. By the way, sidebar, remember the last week mm-hmm. I posted a video about the uh, we were, was, I think it was part of our oh maybe I was supposed to put it into our follow up about the um, iPhone 4 presentation that I was at There's a, I found a video on CNN's site about um, the actual stuff that Steve was saying and then when the phone stopped working he turns to the audience and goes any ideas Scott speaking of maps not working properly no idea 
Don't get it. Sorry, what what is the issue here? <laughs> during, yeah, the, during the keynote, when the, phone, the iPhone four stopped working back in 2010, yeah. Steve Jobs turns to the audience and says, "Any ideas, Scott?" He was trying to show the new the new mapping. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so that'd be Scott. Yeah, Forstall, that would be Scott. He Forstall. would have been speaking. Map, speaking okay. of locations not working, that was where my sidebar came from. Anyway, I'll edit it and make it sound really good. <laughs> Carry on. Speaking of yeah, speaking of making things sound good, the last one that they point out here is that there's a new section in the guidelines um, that requires requires developers to treat customers with respect when responding to comments and also says that custom review prompts are not allowed and you must use the provided API. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the treating customers with respect and responding to comments. That's kind of like a code of conduct, don't you think? It definitely feels like it. And I think it's wildly ill-advised to be slamming your users in the public app store, uh, you know, comments, regardless of how terrible the customer is acting. Yeah. I think cooler heads prevail. That's why developers are normally allowed to respond to client, clients, right? Yeah, exactly. That's why they have uh, public relations folks and social media teams sure, that do that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. Yep. Are we, is it, that, that it? That's it for the... Uh, should the we read the comments on, now? No, we'll not do that. <laughs> there are a lot of comments here, folks. You can read them on your leisure. Alrighty. What's up next? Oh, this is a tricky one. The composable yes. decorators one? Yeah. Alright, let's talk Let's talk a little software here. So I apologize. This is what I believe to be Java code. So but it is the code portion of the show, right? It is the code right. portion uh, but there is a delightful image uh, granted this is a podcast and audio only medium but i'm sure when you have uh, safely found a place at which you could look at the mm-hmm. show notes which we'll have linked for those of you driving at home uh there's an article here on uh composable decorators versus imperative utility methods and a, and a wonderful little image of a uh, russian nesting doll set mm-hmm. so the decorator patterns what's being talked about here and and bear with me i'm going to bring this back to Swift UI, uh, not necessarily in in name, uh, more in function and how I sort of internally mapped how this stuff works. So the basic premise of this article is, you know, it's great to have uh, highly cohesive, loosely coupled code. And one way to do that is to use this pattern called the decorator pattern that helps you make your code composable. So if it helps, I'll start out with the Swift UI version of, oh, think about, well, how would you create a you know, two labels vertically aligned over each other. We'd say, great, Swift UI, I sure would like a view. And I want these two labels. And you know what? Or these two text items. And you know what? I uh, I kind of feel like they should be in a vertical stack. Or you can change your mind and say, you know what? I want it to be in a horizontal stack. And that's a declarative way of saying, here is how I'm composing my UI. As opposed to what we would normally do in app kit or UI kit, where we say, all right, uh, create a UI label. Also, very specifically, uh, change its orientation. Also, very specifically, tell all auto layout. This is how I want this thing in relation to this other thing. So now that you've got that in mind, right? Like like Swift uh, function builders that power how Swift UI's declarative composable nature works. Use that analogy. In this specific article, he's talking about the uh, decorator pattern where you're, I don't know why it's called decoration. It kind of feels more like encapsulating or, you know, Russian nesting, dolling nesting, if you think of it that way, where you, you take one little thing that is good at something and you say, hey, that's great. But you know what? I'd also like to make it do something else. And instead of uh, subclassing or adding other things like, well, what if every operation here followed the same uh, interface or I should say pro- 
protocol. Um, so in this article, he uses the, the, the Java term interface. Imagine it's protocol, if you're thinking of Swift, where there's an interface called text, and it has this method called read that returns a string, right? That's, that's the basis here. So, all right, cool. So now I can create a class that implements that text protocol, but says, cool, for my read implementation, I'm going to read from a source text file and just slurp up all the text and return that as a string. Cool. So you say, well, what if we want only the text that's actually printable, right? Because a text file might have non-printable characters. So one option would be, well, I'm going to create this alternative, you know, mapping method somewhere, or, oh, I'm going to do this extra bit of stuff. Like, well, what you could do is create a printable text object that implements text, the protocol, accepts a text object, and then in its own read method says, cool, I'm going to ask the other sort of like subordinate, like if you think of the Russian nesting doll, the next layer in, I'm going to ask it, hey, can you uh, can you do your read operation? Great. Now that you've read all that text, I'm going to do my read operation and replace all of the uh, non-printable text with like, you know, empty space. And you can continue on and, and say, oh, what if we wanted one that did uh, makes all the text all caps? Cool. Follow the same pattern. Make some Thing that can wrap or decorate another of the same type, have it defer in capability. Say, hey, I don't know what this other thing is looking to do, but I'm going to call the read method on it. And then I'm going to use my read method and then return that to my caller. So when you get way down to the bottom of the of the article or about uh, close to the end of the article, you say, cool, now I can compose this to say, you know, I'm going to read from a uh, text input, right? Some text file, grab all the printable text, trim that text, and then then make it all caps. And when you look at it, it's you know easy to, to, to test. That's nice. It's composable. So like no step really understands or knows or cares what the other step is doing. And when you squint at this, it's like, wow, that actually is kind of how Swift UI's mm -hmm. function builders work. We're like, oh, I you know, take this label or this text element, put another text element next to it, put them in a vertical stack, put that in a horizontal stack, add some padding, make it all bold. Thoughts, comments? I used a lot of words yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Property wrappers in general are a lot like Python decorators, which kind of do this. They're kind of you know built in built into the language to do exactly this thing. Yeah, very useful technique for sure. Yeah, it's it's got a weird name that it's called a decorator because it you know most decorations tend not to completely encapsulate the other well, thing. Well, there's it's the decorator pattern, right? Which yeah, but it's a yeah, weird name yeah, is what and, I'm getting and, at. Like I, I think the, name I think the original idea was if you have if you have a a method that does something or an object that does something and you just want to enhance it a little bit uh, so it's not a big enough thing that you that it becomes a different type of object or anything like that you just want to you just want to decorate it with a little bit of extra somethingness you know you want to add you know if it's if it returns if the thing returns a string you want to add a little you know exclamation mark at the end or whatever right then you would decorate it with that I think that's the origin of the name yeah you're decorating your object with, with a little bit of an extra yeah. thing yeah it's an old name for sure it makes sense yeah, yeah. It, it definitely makes sense your explanation I like the vision Visual, uh, from this article of the Russian mm -hmm. nesting doll, where you start with the tiniest doll, and then that's yeah. inside of another slightly bigger doll, which is then inside of another bigger doll until you get to the biggest doll yeah. at the very end. So you're saying your the original text piece is the smallest doll that's inside, and then you're just decorating it from outside, or are you passing it into the inside? Yeah, so it, it's maybe a little easier to read from the very 
uh, the first two examples. Mm-hmm. So, so you have the text protocol that yeah. says we define a read operation, right? And then the text in file, which is kind of a not so great name because it doesn't follow the pattern of the other ones, um, implements text by taking in a source file, right? But it um, implements the read operation by calling some system method to read all the all the text from a file, right? And that's what that thing knows how to do. The printable text that he shows in the next section mm-hmm. also implements the text protocol, but instead of in accepting like a file handle, it doesn't care if, where the, the data comes from. It accepts another text um, protocol object, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and it's storing it in this, uh, this, I don't know if this is familiar to the pattern, but this local variable called origin. And then when you look at it, the printable text, the way it implements read, it says, cool, I'm going to ask my local variable origin to do its read operation. And then I'm going to do my own calculations. In this case, replacing all of the non-printable characters and return that as part of my implementation of read. Mm-hmm. And then you continue on in the pattern with like, well, what if it's all caps? So the all caps text class implements the text protocol accepts a text protocol object, stores it as, as a, origin, a variable called origin. Then when it gets asked to do its read operation, it says, cool, I'm going to ask this origin object to do its read operation, and then I'm going to take all of that output and make it all uppercase and return that as part of my read operation. Yeah, it's... I like the Russian nesting doll, or this is really, really odd one. If you, uh, if you, if you think of it as more of like the, um, I don't know if you've ever seen those green guy costumes where like the entire person's entire face and body is covered up yeah. by green and they dance around it like, you know, sporting games. Uh, think of it like that. But then if they could wear another costume on top of that, that also covered them and then wore another costume on top of that, that they'd cover them. Oh, Mark, you, you've, you've got us yeah. a link here. Yeah. They're, they're they're a good job of explaining. This thing describes it in the context of the original Gang of Four design pattern, uh, if anybody remembers that, there was a classic book on object-oriented design patterns uh, that came out in the 90s by four authors. So they, so it's, it's known as the Gang of Four. It's a famous book. You've probably seen it around on people's bookshelves. Uh, but it's one of those classic patterns. So this article talks a little bit about what that pattern is. So the interesting thing that I sort of didn't, didn't occur to me until I actually just looked at this description was that the thing that's being decorated is in some actual object at runtime that you pass in. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're extending a class. Uh, and so you're, 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 you're actually, you know, extending the, the, like, like subclass and you're sort of extending a, a class, right? You're adding stuff to the class and then instances of that subclass inherit all of that, of those things that you added on. But this actually takes an existing object and quote, decorates it, you know, with some stuff at runtime. And that's, that's what makes it kind of an interesting pattern. I see. So uh, the, the dynamic nature of it not being part of, uh, the, structural hierarchy of, you know, like a class hierarchy or, oh, uh, anything of this type inherits from everything of that type uh, or implements mm-hmm. that type. You'd say, look, these these two things. Uh, today we have ordered it such that, what does he do here in the order? So he is composing, um, reading from a text file, taking up all the printable text, trimming the text and making it all caps. You might take that same uh, text file one and say, cool, that same instance, I'm going to run it through an all lowercase text file um, decorator, do something completely different with it, even though it's this, literally the same object that we're dealing with. So being able to compose things together at runtime. All righty. Yeah. Again, we'll have that in the show notes. It's a little easier perhaps to follow along when you've got the code in front sure. of you. Yeah. Um, and, you and you pull it over. It is Java and nuts. Don't be driving. Yeah. When you pull over, <laughs> don't do it while you're driving. <laughs> uh, it is Java, but it's not complicated Java. So 
So I think it, you squint at it, it looks like Swift. So it should be fine, I think. How different is that, Mark, than the way we used to do it back in the old Objective-C days with our square brackets where we used to stack things inside of multiple messages? Oh, very different concept. Uh, what that was was just having a, having a, a method of an object that returns the object and then passing mm-hmm. that on, or not necessarily even the same object, but returning something that can be passed, call, passed that can have another method called on it, or, right. or in the old Objective-C language, having a message sent right, to it. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, that's kind of similar to the very common Swift pattern that you see now of having, for example, some, you know, my, my class parentheses, you know, you init it, and then you have mm-hmm. dot method name, and then dot method name, and then right, dot method yeah, name. Very yeah. similar to that kind of structure, what you're talking about. But that's but different that, than this. Yeah, because yeah. but, but what I'm saying, though, what I think what Jaime is saying, though, is that you're, is that not what we're doing in SwiftUI? Because in SwiftUI, you declare something, or you declare a, like a text object, for instance, and then you, you know, do a dot font this, and then, you know, dot align that, and then dot... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We do we do, do that in SwiftUI, but but I, I don't think that's what you're referring to, Jaime. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're referring to, like, the function builder uh, concept, where you where you just have a whole bunch of stuff, and you get a, a another whole bunch of views, and you get a whole no- another view out of that, right, by passing this thing into it. Is, is that right? Or maybe I'm misunderstanding what you're saying. Yeah, I, 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 I hope it doesn't confuse people, because I might be wildly wrong on how the implementation works, but for me, I made the mental analogy of like, oh, I can see how these function builders would work in a very similar capacity when it comes to Swift UI of, you know, take this thing, wrap it in this other thing, wrap it in that other thing, and each one of those little layers, like in the Rust- uh, Russian nesting doll analogy, does something different. It's like, okay, uh, what happens if I say um, add padding? Um, well, it kind of depends, right? It might add padding to this one particular text label, or it might say, hey, this whole V stack, vertical stack, V stack, or H stack, we might add padding to that entire thing. It really depends at which point it gets composed together. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if it's it's properly a decorator mm-hmm. pattern that's mm-hmm. that's powering that, but mentally I felt like, oh, I, I kind of get how I that's see. working I now, yeah. now that I see how that's composing together. Yeah, It is called function builder, and there is a builder pattern, but I don't quite believe that that it fits the traditional builder, the King of Four builder pattern. Right, right. Yeah, so it, it's, it's interesting because there's there's a difference, subtle difference, even though the syntax looks the same. As in SwiftUI, say there's something that ha- that's a dot padding versus a you know dot. Um, I, I don't want to say dot color because that it's, it, it doesn't doesn't well, do foreground color, way. background color. There's, yeah, 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 but that's not what I'm talking about. So there's so you can have methods that use that syntax that just modify the object, and that's just right. that's yeah. just a regular thing. But but the the padding one does something a little different. It creates a container around your thing and with with certain padding and places your thing inside that container and then returns the container. Right, right. And and that is a lot like what this is talking about because you get a new thing back, but it's wrapped around that that original thing that you passed in. Yeah, and they all seem to conform to the same sort of underlying protocol. Uh, if I recall, I might be again wildly misleading people on this one. So I was like, oh, so that's how um, the view doesn't really care if you know there's subviews yeah. below it or so above a, it. An, another way to think about it is a lot of the a lot of the say they just have a a label right and and it has a dot i forget if it even has it doesn't have a dot text property but but pretend it did just for the sake of argument right so if you could create a label and then call dot text with some text well that dot text would return self at the end and that's how you can chain together all these dot blah dot blah dot blah because they all return self every single time padding does not i believe what it does return is some 
some other thing that has the same type as self because it's just another view. It's an any view, right? That 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 is this container view that contains your original view inside. I believe I could be wrong on that one actually because I'm trying to think now. I'm trying to think now. What happens if you if you call dot? Say you have just some SwiftUI view and you call dot padding on it and that adds some padding to it uh, and adds this container around it. But after that, can you call a dot method that that modifies the original one? Maybe it can. I'm thinking you actually can, so I may have it wrong on how it actually works under the hood. Well, they're all modifiers, but they they modify different things, different aspects, right? Like you said. Um, right. But once you add padding and and create this new superstructure, right, yeah. this container view around it's your view, object, yeah. what yeah. gets returned by dot padding? Mm. I guess it is still self in that particular case. So that analogy is not quite right. But somehow it knows that that even if even though it's returning a, a returning a reference to self, it still has this extra container view wrapped around it. That's interesting. I'd have to look under the hood at how, that, how it does that. But of course, they, we don't have the source code for that, unfortunately. But it'd be kind of interesting to look at. Can we move on to our programmer question here, Jaime? Yeah, this one is almost 20 years old. Really? This <laughs> article that I'm listing here. The, the byline, uh, this is by Joel Spolsky, who says, uh, in June 15th of 2000, what do you mean you can't find programmers? Right. So that's definitely of its era. I haven't heard programmer in a while that wasn't either uh, sort of hipster ironic or derogatory. Mm. It's it's practically a slur nowadays. Um, and the, the concept seems pretty timeless, right? So he argues about sort of you know, market value for developers and people saying, oh, I, I can't find developers. It's like, well, what do you mean you can't find developers? Like, let me tell you about this uh, this company in Texas who took out a full page ad in uh, the, was it the Yale Daily News and the Harvard Crimson say, guess what, seniors? We're hiring five computer science graduates and we're giving them a $200,000 a year salary and a BMW in an era when that was most likely a $65,000 a yep. year job uh, US and no BMW, just to be really clear. <laughs> right? That's not even typical now, much less back then. Um, he says, I guarantee you they found the five now, candidates. It would be interesting to see if that, that company still exists after doing that. A fair point. Because the assumption that point. just because you're one of the quote best five in, in your computer science program in college doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be an actual effective. That's worker. true. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, that's an aside. It, it is a fair, fair point. And, and it even addresses here like, all right, cool. So if you're willing to wildly overpay, you can find people. How does it work for sort of normal companies? Um, uh, and he's got sort of a, a, a three step sort of approach here. Right. And these feel very timeless, you know, make the workplace attractive, eliminate obstacles and provide benefits, which are more valuable than the money they cost. Right. Right. So making the workplace attractive, I think a lot of companies have taken up on this. Like you, you, you can look at the Facebooks and the Googles of the world of like, Hey, we have a beautiful office and it has uh, a chef with free food. And Oh, uh, do you need a haircut? We can get haircuts online uh, on, on site. Do you need a massage? We can do massage, uh, childcare can get your laundry done. Sure. We can do everything for you here and just never, ever leave the office. Just stay here. So this has gone to an extreme, but it's still, um, you know, still pretty prevalent. I think people are like, man, this, this office sucks. <laughs> Why would I want to work here? Even if they paid me more money. And many folks are like, you know, what's a better office, my home, right? right? Yeah. My working remotely from home gives me a lot of those same benefits and flexibility without having to go fight traffic and, and deal with a commute. So I feel like that one is one that the companies really should always stay paying attention to. Like I think the modern uh, making the workplace attractive doesn't necessarily mean a huge, beautiful campus. Wait a I do think it could mean, you know, an actually remote 
idea. So they mentioned the guy mentions in the article, where was it? I just zoomed right by. Yeah, that Google has a gourmet chef with free lunches and dinners. Yes, it does. But did it in June of 2000? And did anyone know who Google was in June of 2000? Oh, it was pretty young in back yeah. then. So they they might have had uh, the the chef getting paid in like nothing but equity. Well, they did. Oh, really? In fact, yeah, right. the, the, it was famous back then. The chef was the former chef of the Grateful Dead, right? It was a famous thing. But I'm, but I'm questioning the date. Mm. On June 15th, 2000, when this article supposedly came out. All right, let's hit the Wikipedia. Did people actually know what Google was? Um, so people would definitely have been using Google. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, Google, Google search would have definitely, uh, I'm thinking of my, my younger years. I'm like, okay, I would have probably used Lycos and AltaVista, yeah. uh, maybe even Ask Jeeves a whole lot less. So like, oh, this Google thing is pretty good. Uh, so from a consumer standpoint, people would have known about Google, yeah. uh, at okay, least the, the, the website. On September 4th, 1998. So they existed. Right. I don't, yeah, I don't disbelieve that they existed, but... They moved to Palo Alto in 99. Uh, they, they incorporated in 2004. Maybe that's why you're getting... Well, I just, uh, I just yeah. sort of don't think that it was a common household name at the time. That's mm. my thinking. Oh, I, I totally believe you that that's mm. the case. And, and Joel Spolsky, uh, one of the founders of uh, Fog Creek Software in, in New York, and I believe co-founder of uh, Stack Exchange, which has like Stack Overflow. Uh, he's definitely sort okay, of in the know. In, in um, June, according to Wikipedia, in June 2000, this kind of places it, if you remember that far back. In June 2000, it was announced <laughs> that Google would become the default search engine provider for Yahoo, one of the most popular websites at the time. Right. So, yeah, I, I'm trying to remember back to when that happened in my mind. And yeah, I knew about Google back then, for sure. But, you know, I was here in Silicon Valley. I wonder, well, I guess... Well, I in, guess 2003, uh, in 2003, they bought the building they were in from from SGI yeah, that was for three years 13, they had, 319 million yeah, yeah oh three years after the article was written that's three years point, after right? the article for sure yeah right certainly by 2003 2004 yeah everybody knew who Google was well maybe this author was was hip and happening and knew what was going on before anybody else that's quite possible yeah. but but it, the the way the article well okay maybe I'm reading too much into it but it just kind of felt like he throws it out in the article as if everybody knows who Google was and it's kind of surprised that at the time people did but I could be wrong I could be wrong I mean this is a common pattern right they've he, uh, you know, people will throw out like like TikTok. You know, that, that's starting to become yep. prevalent. Uh, would random people on the street know? Probably not. You know, dollars to donuts. But ten years from now, it might be like, yeah, of course, everybody knows it. My grandma is on TikTok. You know, it, it, it takes time. So I think this is a more of an early adopter sort of personality. And, and Joel Spolsky came out of uh, Microsoft, so a lot of his examples uh, on Joel and software come out of his time there. So it definitely has a Microsoft era dominant early two thousands yeah, dominant. It's possible that he was so immersed in the culture that it never would have occurred to him that anybody wouldn't know who Google was. Right, right. <laughs> even even though maybe cool most people kids. Did. Yeah, that's that's possible. That's for sure possible. Right. With a capital K E W L kids. Uh you definitely would have known who Google was. <laughs> Normal person on the street, to your point, probably not. Um so continue on. The second one is is still a huge problem today. And it, it boggles the mind that companies fail at this part so hard, and that is eliminating obstacles. And it could be very simple obstacles like how about you follow up with me <laughs> when you reach out and say, we'd love to chat and then go quiet for three months and then say, Hey, we still have this job. Do you want the job? Like, no, <laughs> I interviewed at like 10 other places and a couple of them actually got back to me on time. So they, they are in my final list. You guys are, you're, you're not even in the past. 
past anymore. You're like in, you know, the, the paleontology type era of like, let's start digging up those emails when we were talking. Uh, and, and some other things that I think, um, I don't know what the, what the modern market market does, but it's like, Oh, you know, uh, housing can be insane. So we might help you find a place or maybe help subsidize that removing obstacles with somebody's like, eh, I really don't want to move across the country. Eh, kind of have to deal with childcare. Right. Yeah. What about my house? I mean, if you're, if you're willing to, to do some stuff for the right candidates, you can find people. Again, what do you mean you can't find programmers? And the third one he talks here about is uh, providing benefits which are more valuable than the money they cost. So I'm not even going to use the benefits he talks specifically about because I have this in the show notes. But I think the perfect example I think of is when you're at uh, like a ball game of some sort, right? So uh, here locally, uh, once they get past this virus thing, the Seattle Mariners always do it like the third or fifth inning. I forget which inning it is. It's like, hey, we're giving away, you know, garlic fries for free to fan sitting in whatever row and section seat they're sitting in. From a market standpoint, it's like, well, that's like like $7 worth of garlic fries, it seems. And that's what the value it feels like to the person who won that. But really, that was like 25 cents of food product, if that, Mm -hmm. right? So the, the perceived value is much greater than the actual value it costs. And he does use the example of like, like uh, getting a free t-shirt at a trade show that like feels like it's worth about $15, but is actually more like 50 cents or a dollar, especially if you're doing in bulk. Yeah, his savings bond example is an interesting one too. He says, most people that think, most people think that a $50 savings bond is worth $50. Nope, it's worth $25. And I guess it, de- it depends on how you define is worth, but yeah, it costs the company 25 bucks to give it to you. It's worth $50 to you if you hold on to it for 30 years or whatever. Right. And he even gives an example of doing some things that, that really don't seem like a lot, but are nice touches. So a, a big problem with, um, you know, trying to job hunt an interview is like settling and negotiating on that salary. And um, you can only imagine if like, you know, somebody's like, cool, all right, we've accepted. And in his example, it says, uh, you know, we, you accept it at a hundred thousand. And then like a day later, if you call back the can and say, you know what? We've thought about it and we're actually going to set your salary at 105,000. So 5,000 more a year to so the company. That's, that's nothing, mm-hmm. right? That's not right. a significant amount of money, but imagine all of the goodwill that you have you know, acquired from this new employee of like, Oh, holy smokes. Like they gave me more than I asked for. I don't know. I think it's an interesting technique there folks to use. Yeah. I like the, I like the analogy of, of giving them uh, instead of three weeks vacation, give them six weeks vacation. It's, it's like giving a 6% increase. Yeah. So here we are 20, 20 years later. And I feel like a lot of these things, still hold yep, true, uh, even if in, a, in a somewhat modified for the modern era standpoint of, you know, make your workplace an attractive place well, to be. It's interesting that a lot of employers and a lot of job seekers think that money is the main thing, right? Because there's there's the whole lot of other things like work-life balance and, you know, benefits that you maybe don't realize what they what they're, what they're cost to get on your own. You know, there's a number of things that uh, factor into getting, taking a job and staying at it, right? Yeah. Um, beyond, beyond just to what you get on the paycheck. It, it can be work-life flexibility. It could be uh, working on cool technology. Yeah. It could be, um, wow, I really want to stretch in some personal way, like um, taking on more responsibility, leading projects, or maybe um, you know managing people. You know, d- those are different things that I think can go a long way towards attracting people to a workplace and also maintaining them, right? Keeping them on board. Um, it can't be all about salary. I mean, I'm pretty sure if somebody says, hey, 
Lopez, we're going to give you a million dollars an hour. Come work here. He's like, all right. But you never get to go home again. I just grit yeah. my teeth. Yeah, yeah, you grit my teeth for however <laughs> well, long it takes to get that. that. Um, work one day, and then you're done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Early retirement. Uh, um, on the flip side, I, uh, there are some companies I've seen who go too far, and they're like, oh, like, well, salary doesn't matter, and see, people want other things. Like, no, no, no. You cut the salary in half, but I guarantee you, you will lose yeah, people. Yeah, that's true. Right? Uh, you might not lose some some diehards, but, um, you know, it's it, it not that salary is unimportant, but it can't be the focus of, of the only things. There are other other things that people care about. Right. And, and it's still surprising how many companies still like, man, we're having trouble finding people. It's like, well, are you paying more? Are you using cooler technology? Are you giving them the ability to work remotely? Are you, um, you know, nickel and diming them on like, you got to turn in an expense report for that trip. It's like, well, all I, all I did was like take a short cab and, and, you know, buy some breakfast at McDonald's. Like, but I need to see receipts. I was like, you need to see receipts for my, my four ninety five <laughs> McValue meals. Like that seems like a little extreme, bro. You know, like think of all these things of how you can make life better for folks. It's, it's, it's shocking that 20 years later, I, I can point to various experiences that I've either had in my career or that friends and family have told me about. This is, this is still, uh, even if the examples, uh, Joel Spolsky gives here aren't, uh, you know, they've dated a little bit. The messages behind them, I think are still timeless. Yeah, there are some pretty dumb things that you have to go through in regular run, regular days and things like that. They're just you, you look at them. And you, I mean, you can rationalize why they do them, but they just seem so dumb at the time. You know? Yeah, I'll, I'll give one that I, I saw on a, a conference talk that I was uh, listening to this um, during the lunchtime. And the example they brought up was: if your company uses Concur, you are hurting your employees. Concur, and I felt what? like, wow, <laughs> Concur's uh, expense reporting and travel arranging enterprise service. Oh, okay. Right. Why is that? Because it's such a yeah. horrible service? I apologize if anybody... Who, because it's a horrible service or something like that? Or? It is not a great end user UI. Oh, gotcha. Okay. It is a, it is, it is a struggle. And I apologize in advance if anybody who's listening to the show you know, works for or loves Concur, but it is a pretty common bit of software that uh, that folks don't feel all that happy about. Yeah, right. yeah. So what's this PeopleWare thing he's talking about? Is that something really old? That was that book, right? PeopleWare on how people work in organizations okay, and yeah. how to give them some tender loving care. Right. Never. I never actually read it, but I do. That was definitely the era in which a lot of managers had it on oh, yeah. their bookshelf. Arguably, in some cases, now that I think about it, uh, on their bookshelf in clean, crisp, mint condition. Yeah. Interesting. We don't have bookshelves at work anymore. Yeah. All right. I guess we'll uh, move on to our picks. Pickorama. Time for the picks. So, Mark, do you have a pick? I don't actually have a pick. For okay. Sure. But thank you for asking, Tim. It's good to be inclusive. <laughs> this pick looks really interesting. I looked at this on my phone, but I need to look at it on a, on a big boy computer. So give us your, give us your hit there, Jaime. Yeah, continuing on the theme here of uh, you know jobs and getting prepared for that sort of thing, understanding what's going on. Uh, this is a GitHub repo by Tomomi Umura, who is a developer advocate at Slack. And the repo is called A Picture is Worth a Thousand Words. And what it's all about is she has done these doodles, so kind of like a sketch noting type of, of way of handling algorithms 101, mm-hmm. right? In fact, it even says algorithms 101 with doodles. As an example, if you wanted to know how stacks and queues work, well, she's got some, you know, code 
here that shows that, but also shows with cutesy drawings of cats and, in this case, ice cream. How does that work? Well, you can look at the pictures and, and read them. They're not too bad. Yeah, they're not. They're definitely not mobile friendly, Tim. They're like uh, 1.94 megabytes in in ping format that I'm looking at, and it's probably fairly large for the TIFF. So they're 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 pretty nice. I assume they print out really nicely. Uh, you know, if you want or if you wanted to spread them out on your digitally on your desktop mm-hmm. and, and learn how these things work, explains both in code as well as you know very easy to read code, but also visual like okay, how does a stack work, right? Because the way the computer interprets the stack is not exactly the same way that we mentally make the analogy for a stack. In this case, scoops of ice cream being progressively stacked on top of each other on an ice cream cone. So I thought that might be nice for folks who are looking to learn these sort of things. It keeps growing. Um, when I looked at this repo, it didn't have quite as many. I think stacks and queues were the last one. So that was like six different um, images there. And now it looks like she's added a couple more on hash tables and a couple more on binary heaps. And in the future, uh, more data structures like the binary search tree. So very interested to follow along with us. Clone it, make it your own. Contribute, perhaps, if you... I don't know if there's any issues. Oh, there is one issue. Can you add the Git illustrations? I don't know if that means. Pull request. You know, it's all open source. So check it out. Follow her on at girly underscore Mac on Twitter. Early Mac, yeah. Cool. All right. Um, my pick, I thought, was kind of timely in terms of in terms of uh, what the the top of the show here. Um, this came from Trello of all people, if you can imagine. Why would they want us to have this? But this is the best advice for remote work success from ten global teams, and this is put together by a couple of authors from the Trello group. I'm going to scroll to the bottom here to get their names. Uh, Lauren Moon, she's the one that tweeted it out or sent out the email earlier today, and Leah Ryder. Uh, they actually live and work three hundred three thousand miles apart, and they have happen to put this book together too there's sort of a pdf manual here on dispelling some of the myths and uh ideas behind um working for remote kind of limitations about it um and how to basically uh defeat some of the arguments around it so starts off with uh you know different tools you can use for getting collaborative i guess sorry, i guess we'll turn it up here um yeah and it's put together by by groups like evernote zapier automatic the people who put together wordpress um envision stack overflow elatsian and uh, buffer and yeah so you know a different kind of you know, reasons why it's better. Uh, the founder of Trello says the product is better, the talent is stronger, and the purpose is clearer. Uh, some of the myths, you know, we and we all three of us have worked from home at various different times, and and uh, you know, it, it takes a bit of getting used to. But you know, I don't think you, you know, the the whole the one myth about the fact that people at home aren't really working. That's I think that's uh, that's not true, and, and we've all experienced it. And um, you know, they you're you're just as busy at work as you were at, at the office, right? Um, another myth is that you know. Uh, remote work potentially more co- so actually because when you go to the office there's a lot of things to distract you yeah <laughs> yeah that's true yeah yeah um to to that point just as a, a quick side note uh one thing i use my apple watch for working from home is i'm looking at right now i have a um monday through friday daily 12 p.m alarm and another one at 5 p.m and if you're wondering why does he do that it's like well because i might work through lunch mm-hmm, otherwise mm-hmm. and get really hangry at like two or three in the afternoon because there's nobody there's not like a group of people, you know, getting up, say, hey, you know, we're going to go to the such and such place you want to come with. No, you know, brought my, my lunch. And likewise, there's nothing at the end of the day to tell me, uh, especially, you know, when it's this time of the year, when the sun doesn't go down until much later in the evening, there's nothing to cue me of like, oh, you know what, maybe I should wrap up because it's, 
getting late and I'll probably just start burning myself out if I don't start wrapping up and end my day yeah. at a decent time. Yeah, by the same time. token, I work, in, I work in the basement here, so I don't have actually have an idea what time of day it is unless I'm looking at some sort of device. But so I was joking earlier when I was talking to Mark about working from home, I said, get a dog. I mean, since I got Mac, I mean, initially he was really disruptive. Um, it took me like, you know, a couple of months to get used to having him around, but because um, they, they do require a lot of attention. Um, but yeah, like at 11 o'clock, 1130, he would come to me in the morning and it's like, okay, let's go for a walk. And, you know, so that would sort of prompt me to get up and go, you know, make a sandwich and then and take him out for a walk and take a break and get away from, you know, do some rubber ducking with him at the dog park, you know. And just uh, you know, just chill out from work, and then come back, and then and then get back to it, you know. So you can you can find ways to, to break up your day, but that's yeah, an interesting thing. And then like yeah, this myth number three that remote work means the company suffer, company culture suffers. We've we've talked about this on the show many times before about whether working in the office is, is good because you can go you can go find that guy who has that domain knowledge and and pick his brain. Uh, but what really happens in the real world is you're asking that person to context switch, which is sometimes you know you might get a, not get a great reception from. Them. Them. So while you can chat and have fun times with your friends at work, you know sometimes it's disruptive to other people. You know, depending how you work, how, you know what kind of what kind of uh, answers you're looking for. And now we have tools like Slack and you know and you know Teams and HipChat and uh, and as well as email. Um, but you could you can have a quick conversation with somebody, ask a quick question without actually leaving your desk. But that desk doesn't have to be in the same office to do that, right? So which is kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, this is one that Hamid was just talking about. This remote workers are available at all times of the day. Well. No, you have to sort of set some ground rules and, and pace yourself and time yourself and like that. One of the challenges about using the Slack, and we've talked about this before, Slack type tools uh, and chatting that kind of stuff in text is that sometimes you can't quite get your point across. Um, maybe a video call might be better than, than um, just chatting away. Um, and you sometimes you might want to put more detail into it, into a, a text message or a chat message so that people know exactly what you're talking about rather than just firing off a quick, you know, yes, no kind of question, right? Um, so give it lots of comments context to what you're talking about ground rules we talked about yeah chat versus video tools when to use those when not to use those um yeah and then meetings i mean meetings are like we use technology at our office to go to meetings um sometimes we're in person things like stand-ups and and you know uh our retrospectives and stuff like that we tend to get together in the same space if we can but people still dial in um but yeah you don't have to be in each other's face we have a we have a daily meeting when we're doing releases with you know about 30 people on the call and most of us are dialing in from our desk right so so whether we're in the actual building or whether we're sitting at home, it doesn't make a difference, right? Yeah. Any other thoughts about this um, document, which we'll have linked in the show notes? One thing that's been helpful, uh, so I've been across two different jobs. I've been working from home for the last three and a half years. And one thing that's been really nice is to do some of that socializing time. Like it can't be all day, obviously, but sometimes it's nice to say, hey, you know what? Four to 5 p.m. We're going to do, you know, what we'll call happy hour. And, and sure, you know, if you're at home and it's safe and everything, some people might actually crack open like a beer or something but really the point is to just relax and chat with your other colleagues um and socialize and get some of that same sort of social interaction you would naturally get around the water cooler or in the cafeteria you know maybe while you're out getting coffee or something and really just sort of unwind and and learn a little bit about the people um so they're not just uh you know metaphorical and literal 2d characters to you right they become fully realized human beings it's definitely easy to lose 
lose sight of that when all you see of somebody and know of somebody is, you know, this little, you know, 100 by 200 pixels on a monitor sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's going to be an interesting, it's an interesting time we're going through right now with, with this, you know, battling this, this uh, virus, you know, which seems to be working its way towards becoming a pandemic. Um, Actually, they yeah, officially all, said it was a pandemic today. Who's the, oh, the, World uh, Health the organization. Yeah, the, 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 the band, the rock band, The Who, who right? Who did? Who said that? The Who. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Who Doctor said who, what? Yeah, yeah. The Who, the Who's going on tour, the new album's COVID-19. Um, yeah, did, you, the, um, did you know, Tim, you might know this little bit of trivia. Uh, before, remember Peter Capaldi, right? The actor yeah. who played Doctor Who? Before he was Doctor Who, his last project, he was in a zombie movie. Yeah. And he was credited in the, in the he didn't have a name, he was just a bit character. But in the credits, he was listed as WHO Doctor. Right, right, did right. you know about that? No, that, I'm not, I know what movie it is, too. I'm trying to think yeah. of what the name of it is. I think it was, uh, uh, what is it, World War Z or something like that? World War Z, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Oh, he had no name, eh? Apparently, yeah. Interesting, yeah. interesting. So his Who There's... Doctor was his was his character's name. Wow. And they announced That's... a few months later that he was Doctor Who. So, of course, they knew. You know, they must have known. Oh, I see. I or see, it was right. just a great, a huge coincidence, a, a, an amazing coincidence. Well, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, or Doctor Who went back in time and told someone. Hmm. Yeah, there's another, he used to be on a, a British TV show, and there's, there's a clip of him, a famous clip of him talking about how Doctor Who is such a um, fantasy uh, kind of idea, right? Um, he's, trying, he's, he's trying to, you know, reality check a, a, another nerd. I'll put a link in the show notes for the people at home. Well, weren't uh, he and uh, uh, Richard Ferguson, the TV host, weren't they in a punk band together at one time? Yes, they yeah. were. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So I, I imagine the punks weren't big fans of Doctor Who. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at that time, definitely. At the time, yeah. yeah. It's definitely your mom's show at that point in time. Yep. I'll find a link. It's, it's a pretty funny clip. It's pretty pretty com- pretty common one of him talking about either about Star Wars or about Doctor Who. Anyway, so yeah, back to our uh, back to our remote work. This is what happens when you work remote. You get distracted by people, right? In the in the, in the office, I guess. Anyway, so yeah, check out this this article. It's got some dispel some myths. But my point was that you know I think we're we're all going to learn how to embrace working remotely in the next little while. Even though some of us on the show have had experience doing it, um, I think maybe maybe more of us will have to. Whether we like it or not, we're all going to do it. Yeah, and and you know what? It's funny because while the world has sort of, I mean, the business world, I'm doing air quotes, has sort of fought against the whole idea of letting people work from remote. Like they want to see you sitting in a desk, you know, staring at a screen, pretending you're working. Yeah, it's it's kind of kind of odd that uh, we've where the culture has gone to. Yeah, that you know, this is this makes it does make more sense to to remove a barrier and let people you know work in their pajamas, right, Tommy? Have you got pants on right now, Tommy? So yeah, <laughs> so that is one of the techniques <laughs> I personally use. The there are definitely people. <laughs> we didn't know. I didn't. Know. So I'm not in pajamas. Yeah. I actually actually am in jeans. Um, so me psychologically, I have to separate my work uniform. He says in squirt in scare quotes from you know sort of personal life, and I don't feel like I can really relax when I'm wearing which what isn't really a uniform, right? It, I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt and a hoodie because it's colder, and I will change out of that after work is done and get into something comfortable that is my around the house clothes. That's more akin to pajamas. Depends on whether I'm actually going to go to sleep right. or I'm just sort of relaxing around the house. Mm. Um, and the the funny thing is, like, I, I also feel more productive when I'm wearing my work clothes and working during the day. If I'm unfortunately not capable psychologically of wearing pajamas and being productive at work. So this is my little trick that I use, right? It's similar to people say like, hey, it's great to have uh, an office or at least an office area if you can have it in your place and literally only use it for work. And when you cross some threshold 
bald or arbitrary lying in your in your humble abode, you're out of work. Yeah. You know, right. Well, it, it's important to a friend of mine. I mean, my other, my mother's an occupational therapist. So is my sister. And so taking breaks and things, you know, going to a different space is important. But I, I do remember a friend of mine told me once when I, I wondered about he, how he managed to work from home. And he said, yeah, I just every day it's like a routine. So when I work from home, you know, I get up and I have a shower and I go through the whole ritual as if I'm going to the office, you know, kind of thing. I don't, I'm not like you. I'm not. I put on comfortable clothes, but but by the same token, though I go I go and you know I work till lunchtime, and I get up from my desk and I go to some other space and I eat my lunch, you know, and then I come back to the to the desk in the office and whether it's the couch or the office and and or the couch or the desk I should say, and then uh, continue to work until roughly quitting time, and then you know I kind of walk away from the desk as if as if I'm doing my commute. I mean the thing about it is, is like you know for me uh, it's like a it's I have a short commute. It's probably like half an hour to forty minutes to and from work. It's an hour if I walk home, right? But, um, you know, that's time that, that neither myself or my company owns, right? Because, cause, you know, I'm either just listening to podcasts and just, you know, sitting on a streetcar or maybe doing research for this show, but it's not my, my working from home. It's not the, the work coding I do at night on my own or it's not the you know, work I do during the day uh, for my employer. Um, but when you work from home, you you get back that extra time, right, um, to do other things like maybe housework or, or you know, the, the busy work that you do around the house or, or, yeah, an extra hour of code or whatever, right? When you don't have that commute to deal with. I, I to be honest with you, I think I think people when they work from home can be more productive, especially when you're you're, you're doing like an isolated thing like we do, like as an individual programmers. You know, we, we get the task and we work on the task. It doesn't matter. I don't think it matters where physically we are to do that, right? Yeah. The one thing that I find more difficult, not impossible, is when I'm working with some of the junior engineers and I have to, mm. you know, we have to work stand at the whiteboard and talk through stuff. Yeah. Uh, right. It's a lot harder to do that when you're not in person because it's it's harder to tell one thing it's harder to tell is you know are they getting the thing that i'm explaining to them right, are they right. missing it you know can i should i draw the picture in a different way or something like that you know well, really... do you do you do video conferencing with them and uh well so this is a relatively new thing that we're doing now so so uh yes but but it's still hard to do that because now instead of writing on a whiteboard you have to do it on like the whiteboard app yeah WebEx, which is yeah, yeah. which is a lot it's a lot harder than just writing on a board i find it. now if you had astro astropad studio and an iPad and a pencil. You could hook it up to your Mac, and you could you, you could use the iPad to draw. Yeah, iPads are way too small. I end up filling up entire whiteboards usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I get expressive. Yeah, this I, I'd agree uh, with Mark. Yeah. This is a, a an area of remote working technology that still isn't yeah. seamless. Because even even if you did have like uh, the iPad Pro, you know, Max Giga, you know, that was like the size of a real whiteboard that you would have at an office. Um, you would still end up having to solve issues of being able to collaboratively draw together, which not every app that I've ever seen does that right, well. Right. Um, ideally, you'd want to be secure because depending on the company that you're working on, that might be a huge thing. You'd want to have nice, seamless ways for um, saving that for posterity. You know, um, I've, I've not seen stuff, any solution that would work in a multi-person environment that is able to go through typical uh, corporate firewalls and had, um, you know, nice, like, oh, it saves to draw. Dropbox or Office 365 or Google Drive or something seamlessly um, to, to really get the, the mechanics of being able to draw. And even then, I think until we all have like augmented reality glasses or something, to Mark's point, we're not going to be able to have the, you know what, their body language is telling me that they're not getting it, even if their words are telling me yep. that they get it. Hey, what was that tool we talked about years and years ago where it was kind of like a collaborative drawing tool? Like you, use, you, you 
I could be standing on the sidewalk drawing on my iPad, and you guys could be also drawing on the same same document. Was that an Adobe thing? Uh, I don't know if I ever saw the light of day, but we talked about it um, yeah, on the show. I don't remember which one that was, and there are there have been uh, you know plenty of those out there, mm-hmm. uh, but they, it's just not quite the same. Yeah, it's not real time. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, admittedly, you're you're you're. I mean, I've taught I taught some courses once where I was where I was using Adobe Collaborate or something, whatever it's called, Connect, I think it's called, and I couldn't see the students, right? So I really didn't know other than what questions they asked me whether they were actually following along with what I was teaching them, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I couldn't, like you said, I couldn't see the confused look on their face, right? Right. right. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Hmm. But we do, we, you know, we do a lot of screen sharing and stuff like that, and pair programming and things like that. Whether you know, with when people are working remote, because a lot, I mean, I'm often in the office, but a lot of my a lot of my reports are are working from home on a regular basis, right? So we have to have meetings that way, and we just we kind of just deal with it. But it's funny, we have one of those big giant TVs, like a 60-inch TV that has the, the big crayons that you can do whiteboarding on. Nobody uses it, right, for that purpose. <laughs> you know, they use a traditional whiteboard for that. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, right, you're right. Yeah. The whole the whole drawing online thing is, is something that's not quite there yet, right? Yeah. It's still not a solved mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen some cool hardware that, that tries mm-hmm. to do that, but I was like, well, what if you don't have the hardware? Even if you could afford yeah. the hardware, what if it's like, cool, the, that's in my home office. Unfortunately, um, I am in a hotel room how will i participate in this right. appropriately right right like they granted it's like well if i was in a you know on travel i wouldn't be participating in the whiteboard but it's, it's kind of silly that we don't have you know the ability to have the space that a traditional whiteboard would have but also have the you know effective viewing space is what i'm talking about like there are some drawing apps that like effectively have unbounded space that's cool i'm looking at it on my like 27 inch monitor you know there's only so much of it i can see at once in the you know the ipad and apple pencil is a great you know a, a great user interface to to replicate what like a whiteboard marker would do but uh, it still doesn't solve a lot of the you know how do you easily share and uh, erasing is kind of a hassle versus just you know worst case getting a piece of paper and, and smudging and wiping away if you don't have markers yeah so yeah. since you guys brought this up have you guys ever seen the webex bingo no like it's you know well you know you, you know what a bingo no. bingo card looks like, right yeah, right but i haven't used and you give them out to in, people mm-hmm. and it's got it's got things like got expressions on it like sorry i was on mute oh you know? oh yeah <laughs> or, i've seen something like that yeah yeah, yeah. No, i don't <laughs> think it was in the context of webex well it was like it was like yeah online meeting yeah. sort of yeah online meeting i mean you yeah. have, i'm using webex brand like band-aid right yep. um i'll see if i can find a, a link for the show notes but uh, it's pretty funny i think i might have it on my computer at work i was looking at my phone here to see if i had it but like yeah just sort of the, the things you hear i'm sorry you're breaking up you know yep. all the kind of things you would hear in, in a in common meeting right so if you're not talking can you go on mute please you know <laughs> I don't, I don't, to that point, I don't really understand why more remote conferencing software doesn't make it much, much easier for the host to say, everybody is Mm. muted. Everybody's video is off explicitly unless we're, we have them turn it on. I don't know how many all hands meetings I've sat through in the last three and a half years that have been butchered by, it's always one person driving on the highway in what I, when I can only assume is their uh, convertible because of how loud the wind is whipping yeah. through. Oh, we get um, people on, on the or, our, our, you know, down at our Union Station where the trains are, the commuter trains. You hear them on the you know the train, the next train being called out and that kind of stuff. Yeah, or or the one conference room that thinks they're on mute, but they're all cross chattering with each other, giving live commentary on the on the all hands. Like I'm, I'm trying to hear, and, and they're not paying enough attention. So and when everybody's like, for the love of God, please mute yourself. Yeah, conference call bingo. I found one here. Hang on, let's see. Sorry, I have to drop. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, some of some. 
someone calling from their car. That's a good one. Um, and there's like words like let's move on. Uh, you're on mute and on the same page. Somebody repeats himself. I guess it leads itself to this really, and I'm not saying people should use this, but it, it came to mind mm-hmm. as a technique to buy yourself some time when somebody asks you a question you really don't want to answer and just hold really still for a while and then say, I'm sorry, we must have broken up. Can you repeat that? <laughs> <laughs> and now you've bought yourself some more time to think of a better uh, way to state your response. Good, good, good answer. Hashtag ask MTJC if you end up using that out in the wild. Yeah. Who just joined? Sorry. Who just joined? Well, let's move on as my uh, drum master would say. So, hey, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? I'm on Twitter as at dev with a hair. All right. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you. Mark R at smapsoft.com. Right. And as I say, every week, my name is Tim Mitra. still is to this day. And I am T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. So until next time, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. 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 By the way, you're still sharing your screen. (laughs) This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. Please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. So use the hashtag AskMTJC. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. everyone can everyone go on mute can you see my screen no if you made those into a drinking game <laughs> you'd have people blackout drunk <laughs> in some meetings that i've been in, yeah, in my sorry, career i didn't catch that can you repeat that yeah well i love the part when somebody asks you a pointed question right and the person who's being asked the question says i'm sorry i didn't get that and nine times out of ten they were like looking at something else on their computer or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the sound of someone typing possibly with a hammer it says here <laughs> That's one I don't get. So there, we we have this whole culture of like we need quiet yeah. and peace in order to do our programming because holding all these different variables and architectures in our head, inevitably those are the people with the absolute loudest mechanical keyboards. And they they specifically bought the Cherry keyboards with the very specific um, I don't even know the lingo, but like the louder clacky sound keys. Yeah, well, like I guess like I said, like even on the new Touch Bar Max, you can some people some people tap away really really kind of loud, right? So. Shouldn't be doing on those butterfly ones, that's for sure. There's no travel on that thing. Oh, a, I don't know how they managed to do it, but they do it. This one claims to be the original conference call bingo. Pretty much the same stuff I just read. Anywho, yeah, so this live feed from my, uh, my team Slack here. Yeah. They mentioned Tom Hanks, they mentioned Europe, they mentioned uh, NBA, being, NBA being canceled, and the guy who posted this said he's just opened his last box, finished his last box of cookies. What a shame. What else is going on? 
King Crimson and the Zappa Band playing at Meadowbrook Amphitheater. Oh, you should go. I have no idea, I have no idea where that is. Hmm. It's not. It's not. It's not Dweezil Zappa. It's the his brother and a bunch of cronies yeah, playing uh, Zappa. Who cares about Zappa? You know, it's it's King Crimson. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm I'm having second thoughts about going to concerts now. Yeah, too, no, no, I, I know. know, I know. Like crazy, crazy time. Yeah. Did it, Did you get my question about uh, Wishbone Ash? Yes, I did. Yeah, but I just you don't know them. Oh, okay. I know. I know of the band. Yeah. I've heard of them before. But and it's amazing, like how many albums they've put out yes. over the years, right? Like, know, I had no idea. And and I was amazed that I wasn't more familiar with them. I had heard of them too. You know, I knew the name, right? But I yeah. but I really couldn't have picked out a song of theirs or anything. And once um, you listen to them, could you pick them out? No, or? no. But I was blown away at how good they are. Yeah. They're amazing. They really are amazing. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. I think their their signature sound is the two guitars. Yeah, two playing, guitarists playing off each other. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's one of those bands where they never had and. and you know, I, I know this from, I've gone back and listened to some of the stuff now. They never had really a solid lead vocalist front man kind of guy. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and they even had, they tried uh, for a little while. They got John Wetton as the yes, front man for right. a little while, yep. but then he left yep. to join Asia and left them oh, without him. Yeah. So, huh. uh, so I, I think that was a big part of why they never hit because the musically they're, they're fantastic. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little, you know, music wonky, you know, or nerdy, right. More music for guitar kind of than the average you know listener uh but but yeah if they had had a robert plant or, or someone like that as the singer they would have been huge yeah crazy all right well i had enough fun for one night so i'm gonna pack it in you guys probably have to go watch the the um mass singer now right i do and and lego masters will be in the background as well when i get to my That's yeah you, it's you one of those half, reality half tv shows with, like that and then you... no it's it's will arnett yes. as the yeah, yeah. the host and they're, they're doing like yeah, yeah. you know if you ever you do any of those of course he's canadian i had <laughs> i should have realized <laughs> there's like he's a damn newsletter country. yeah yeah all of all of y'all somehow know <laughs> every single Canadian, and like there's a weekly newsletter yeah. that goes out of Canadians yeah. in the news. We're trying to infiltrate your country, yeah, um, exactly. Nevertheless, Will Arnett runs this competition show where there are teams that do Lego building challenges. Yeah. It could be literally making buildings. It could be making uh, almost like movie scenes yeah. and other things. It's got all the you know this typical tropes of reality TV. And we'll we'll reveal the I winner kind of, right after this. Oh, he and he he uses those tropes to that. explicitly annoy that. people. He's like, boy, I guess right now I should do like some sort of drama thing, right? So it seems more hype before we go to commercial. Oh, right. Here's the drama thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. he, he leans really heavily into the meta part. Yeah. So that's another, I'm winding down. I'm going to do my you know, later night reading and just sort of look up every once in a while to see like, Oh, that's really cool. They, they made a mouse out of that. Oh man, that's a spaceship. You know, mm-hmm. it's fun mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. Well, I, cause I, yeah. Cause they don't, they give them like a half constructed something or other and then they kind of have to modify it i guess i've never really seen beyond the first five minutes of that show so oh it's it's varied they've had challenges like you know build this very specific thing based on a random theme mm-hmm. that they get it could be um your thing has to get blown up or hit with a bat or do and, and oh, look right. cool yeah, yeah. while it while it's getting destroyed <laughs> and i saw the previews for one i don't know which episode it's going to be of like hey it's like an engineering challenge your thing has to hold these weights oh wow like 
bridges mm. sort of thing. So I'm looking forward to that one. Interesting. It's like it's like those sword, mm. the, the other show where they, the guys make the swords and then they, the broadswords. You get that one? Forged I've in seen fire or something like that. Something like that on on TLC yeah, yeah, or History yeah, Channel. Yeah. Probably. Then, then they have to yeah. then they take the swords and they run them through a gauntlet. They have to try and chop through a turkey in one swoop and yeah, crazy stuff. Yeah, th- this one has the tropes that are a little bit more like the baking shows where they have to yeah. make these elaborate cakes right. and then like move them from one area to another and hope it right, doesn't fall right, apart right, sort right. of thing. All within an hour or whatever, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I mean, ever since the writer's strike, which is what started that and the OJ trial, right, started reality tv just i just i wish we could this it's like the freemium of television right <laughs> yeah like i don't watch it assuming that it's actually going to be real it's reality tv is a yeah. genre much like yeah. horror and yeah. sci-fi it has just as much scripting yeah. in it yeah lately i've been i've been getting stuck on those shows where they um the bloopers that you see from online stuff, you know, um, this one called, what's it called? Uh, reality or ridiculousness. Yeah, have you seen that one? Where they just show like these, you know, and they, they say right on the top, there's a disclaimer at the top of the show saying, we will not open any videos you send us, you know, don't send us videos, right? Oh, is that the yeah, MTV yeah, one where yeah. people like doing explicitly dumb things and, and, and getting torn up over it emotionally or yeah, physically? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was got like a, like a skater dude, skater slacker as the host. Right? I don't know where yeah. he came from. But yeah, he's, yeah, I've, I've I've been watched binge watched more of that yeah, than I care, would care yeah, to admit. It, like you said, it's the mind numbing <laughs> TV. It's the popcorn of TV, right? You know what it makes? It makes really good travel stuff because like um, my my YouTube TV package doesn't have MTV. Oh really? <laughs> but damn near every hotel that you're ever going to stay at is going to have MTV. Oh, so I just okay, flip right. that on and have that in the background. Well, how often do you travel now in your new gig? Do you have to go on regular trips or? Oh, Mark and I were talking about it. Like it, it was planning to do more stuff and a lot of it ended up falling through organically um prior to any of this virus stuff hitting and now it's like oh it's certainly Mm. not do any of the traveling stuff um even the the scala days seattle that i was going to attend locally is as part of a whole troop of folks um that got canceled and or moved as they say to 2021 so so i don't know the the next thing i have on the books is not until june 1st so maybe it'll happen maybe it won't really depends on how this this pandemic goes all right well anyway i'll talk to you guys later all right all right okay. talk to you later viruses talk to you later bye bye, bye. look bye